It was so good to hear you making a joyful noise to the Lord today. Did you enjoy the music? I would enjoy special music all year round. Mark and Julie do an amazing job of leading our worship, but if you have musical gifts that you would like to share with the Lord and share with us, talk to Mark, and we would love to have you get involved, not just in December, Christmas time, but throughout the year. We're continuing our four-week Advent series, Hope, Peace, Joy, and Love. And each week as we look forward to Christmas, we'll see how these unique blessings in Jesus Christ, who is the focus and the reason for this Christmas season. Sarah mentioned that there is an online digital bulletin, and if you want to use that, especially if you're at home or if you're downstairs or wherever you are, you can follow along. It has all of the scripture as well as the notes from the service. That's at faithlife.com slash Baptist. And if you notice the bulletin, Sarah does a great job creating that each week, and she lovingly folds and cuts them and prepares them. So if you use the digital bulletin, you will not be offending Sarah. She won't mind if you choose to use the digital ones instead of the printed one, but there is a printed one uh, with notes that you can follow along, and there, that is in your bulletin as well. We're talking about joy this Sunday morning. When was the last time you felt joy? Maybe it was the birth of a child or a grandchild. Maybe it was something else. But can you think of a time when you truly felt joy? It springs up from deep within us. And when it's there, we just don't want it to end. There's a difference between joy and happiness. As Webster's Dictionary defines joy, it says it's a state of delight or great happiness. But the Bible tells us that joy is more than just a simple emotion because our emotions come and go. They rise and they fall. Joy is an expression of God's goodness. It runs deeper because its source is God himself. It's not based on my current situation, or my surroundings right now. Joy is found in what God is doing. It takes on two different aspects in the Bible as God's redemption story was unfolding. First of all, in the Old Testament, we see the people of God finding joy when they were delivered by God or when they anticipated the salvation that was coming through the Messiah, and we've been talking about that, that hope that they had. We saw the prophecies fulfilled as Jesus came. In the Old Testament, they were looking forward to that happening, and they found joy in knowing that God was still at work. He hadn't forgotten them. And then we come to the New Testament, and joy filled the shepherds. It filled Mary and Joseph, the wise men, those that were nearby at the birth of the Messiah, they saw Jesus Christ, God himself, come to live with us, Emmanuel. He delivered his people. He brought salvation, and that caused rejoicing. But then Christ followers, as Robert just read in 1 Peter, though we don't see Jesus, we have joy in him because not only has he saved us, but he's promised to come back for us. 
It's not my immediate surroundings, but it's what God is doing and what he will do. Throughout Scripture, we see that joy comes from what God is doing and not our immediate circumstances or trials. C.E. Arnold wrote a book called Joy, and in that, as he's describing joy, he says the response of joy, gladness, or happiness is not only a deep inward feeling, but it's expressed in celebration when God's people gather together. I hope you feel that joy when you come to church to worship with us. And that's part of why we want to be in fellowship together, why we want to lift up our voices together rejoicing and singing about our Savior. But what do we do if we can't gather together with all our favorite family and friends? What if we can't do our traditional Christmas shopping and making the trips to the mall or pictures with Santa? What if there isn't snow covering the ground? That would bring me joy, but for some of you it would be plain sidewalks and grass that would bring you joy. What if those things aren't there? How do we find joy? What if the stores run out of eggnog or toilet paper this week when everybody's home? Are you still going to be able to find joy this Christmas? Well, just briefly, I want to mention the joy at Jesus' birth because we are celebrating Advent, but then I'm going to go on and talk a little bit more about how we have joy, not just in the Christ of Christmas, but in Christ throughout the year. First of all, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, there was joy at Jesus' birth. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. This is Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, the parents of John, who we call John the Baptist. He was a man who came before Jesus. He was a prophet. He was the forerunner of the Messiah. But Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were older. They had never had children. Their house was quiet and empty for many years. Anytime an angel says, don't be afraid, you can assume that whoever they were speaking to was afraid. Here's an angel. This is not the little fat, pudgy cherubs that we picture on our Christmas trees. This was a God-created angelic being who brought fear into people's hearts. They were bringing messages directly from God. Zachariah and his wife maybe were afraid that in their old age they couldn't handle a baby. How are they going to raise a son? I know he wasn't teaching them how to play baseball, but think about 70, 80-year-old Zachariah maybe thinking, I've got to raise a son. And Elizabeth, how am I going to give birth to a baby at this age? The angel said, not only will he bring you joy, but the people will rejoice at his coming. Even though they might have been tempted to be afraid, raising a child in those golden years, they found joy in what God was doing in their lives. And then later in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 49, Mary is singing back to the Lord. Listen to this part of her song. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, 
My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty and has done great things for me, holy is his name. Mary was just a young woman, and you've heard this story. She might have just been as young as 14 or 15 years old. That's when people were getting married in those days. She was betrothed. She was engaged to be married, but she had not yet gone to live with her husband. They hadn't had the marriage feast, the celebration, and then started living together. And now she's pregnant. What are her neighbors saying? What is her family saying? This girl who is supposed to be going into her marriage pure is pregnant. Mary found joy in her soul because of what God was doing. Look at the great things he's doing. He's seen his humble servant and he's blessed me with having the Messiah. Instead of looking at her, his, her circumstances, she rejoiced in the coming of the Messiah. She rejoiced in what God was doing. And then over in Luke 10, the angels appear to the shepherds. The angel said to them, fear not. There it is again. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The shepherds were the low-class outcasts of society. They were the guys who spent time out in the fields, out in the dirt, sleeping in the grass at night. They probably didn't smell great. It was usually the youngest sons of the family, like David, that were sent out to look after the sheep while the older ones did the more important work. Society didn't treat them well. Their families didn't care much about them. But yet, here they are, an angel proclaiming to them, the lowliest of people, that the Savior is born on that dark night. Good news was delivered. That joy would be for all the people. As we read that back now as Gentiles reading into that, we're seeing it's not just for Israel. They were expecting the Messiah, but here's joy for all the people. Salvation was coming not just to Israel, but to the whole world. They rejoiced, and they found joy in what God was doing, not worrying about their own meager circumstances. So in the Christmas story, as we look at those early chapters of Luke and Matthew, we see great joy at the coming of the Messiah. But how do we carry that forward? Because just looking at baby Jesus in your manger, maybe in your nativity at home or in our nativity out front, you see baby Jesus and you feel peace, but that's not joy. Joy is focused on what God is doing and who he is. We see that God is truly our source of joy. Unlike our happiness, which comes and goes with the holidays, with gifts, with new jobs, with recognition from others, joy comes from bringing glory to God. If you think about your happiness, it's really very self-focused. What's happening to me right now? Why am I happy? What is it that's making me happy? I want more of it. Sometimes it's shopping more, getting more stuff, having more people. 
people around you that tell you how great you are, that makes you feel happy. And when all that is gone, where did my happiness go? It's temporary and it's short-lived. Our situation, our surroundings change from day to day. But God is eternal. He's never changing. He's always faithful. We find joy in who he is and what he's doing in our lives and in the lives of others. It needs to be outward focused as we think about joy. Romans 15, verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Hope was our first word in Advent, the hope of the coming Messiah, the hope of eternal life in Christ. And hope brings us and keeps us in joy as we think about what God is doing in our lives and in the lives of others. God fills us with joy and with peace when our hope is in Him. And that hope comes from the Holy Spirit, reminding us of God's faithfulness and His presence with us, His promise to never leave us or never forsake us. We're never alone. We can't will ourselves to experience joy. Thinking happy thoughts or sending someone good vibes, as people ask sometimes on Facebook, doesn't bring joy. Joy comes from God and from God alone. Listen to what David said in the Psalms. I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. It's not about what's happening in David's life. It's about God's steadfast love. It's in God's provided salvation. It's how God is dealing bountifully, blessing and showing grace to David. His focus was on God, what he has done and what he will do. And the result is singing out praises to God. Joy flows out of a grateful heart. Finding joy means counting our blessings. Just as we came out of the Thanksgiving season, we saw that we should be giving thanks always in our prayers, remembering all that God has done, and that causes joy to well up in our souls. So we see God is our source of joy. How do we experience joy? We see that it's a fruit of the Spirit. We talked about this last week with peace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Like we saw last week, with peace, joy is a fruit of the Spirit working in our lives. When we put to death our flesh with its sinful passions, with its selfish desires, we experience life and we find joy in Jesus Christ. We experience joy when we spend more time with God. We have to keep in mind that joy comes only from God. But when we spend time with Him, we allow Him to fill us with His joy because we're reading His Word and we're reminded again and again of His faithfulness, of His love for us, 
if we stop and just focus on our lives and all the things that we think are going wrong in it, we're doubting God's goodness. We're doubting His work in our hearts and our lives. That's why we have to be back in His Word regularly, saying, what are you doing, Lord? Show me what you're doing in my life and show me your good promises. Over in Philippians 2, verses 1 to 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord. and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also on the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Joy comes from humility and unity. It brings joy as we focus our love and our compassion, and we care for one another. Again, that thought about joy coming from fellowship, being together, not being isolated and separated. Our focus when it's outward, when it's on others, when it's on Christ completing a work in others or in us, we experience deep joy. We see that God is doing things in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of 2020, we can see God at work accomplishing great things. And that brings joy because the glory is going to God, not ourselves. Joy is a choice. <clears throat> we need to choose it. It comes through the preaching of the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. And we see that joy comes from the peace by Jesus' blood on the cross. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. As we choose to listen to Jesus' words, as we choose to focus on obeying them and living out the life that he gave us as an example, the life he modeled for us, we will live and walk in the love and the righteous acceptance of God. There's joy in pleasing God. There's joy in glorifying God because we're doing exactly what we were created to do. When we're living our lives for ourselves, when we're focused just on me and what I want and how can I be happy, we're not going to have joy. That's not how God brings us joy. We find joy when we choose to obey and glorify God because that's what we were meant to do. Have you had that feeling maybe as a young person, maybe as an adult? What am I supposed to do? Why am I here on earth? If you ask those questions, what, do I, what am I doing here? What's my purpose? The answers are in God's word. The answers tell us that God created us to be image bearers. He made us in his image to show all of creation who he is and what he's like. So when we're not glorifying him, when we're not living our lives modeled the way Jesus did, we're not fulfilling our purpose 
and we're not going to experience joy. But when we are, no matter what's happening around us, we're going to have joy. Our focus, again, needs to be glorifying God and finding everything we need in Him. That's where our joy will be full. I couldn't talk about joy without talking about Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Rejoice. This is the verb form of having joy. Proclaim God's goodness. And it was so important that Paul said it again. Rejoice. Be reasonable with others. Do you see this focus outward again? As he's talking about rejoicing and having joy, don't worry so much about yourself and how you're going to take care of things. Recognize God's faithfulness. See his provision with a thankful heart. Then you can bring your request to God. You can tell him what you truly need after you see all the things he's already provided for you. Be thankful for what you already have. Be joyful. Rejoice is a command. Choose joy. Rejoice. And then James 1, 2, and 4, another key passage teaching about joy. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and lacking in nothing. Count it. Consider it. Think about your trials. Think about what's going on in your life and count them as joy instead of seeing the pain and the heartache. It doesn't mean you ignore them and you pretend that they're not happening. Joy is not just covering up all of the bad things and Pollyanna attitude of everything's great. It's saying, God, I see these things that you're doing and I'm going to rejoice because you're working in my life. I see that these difficulties, these trials are making me lean on you. Have you noticed the times when you're more in prayer on your knees? It's when things are going bad. When you need God, when you recognize his presence in your life and you say, I need you more than ever. That's not by accident. That's how God draws us to him. Trials and tribulations produce greater faith, more steadfastness, perseverance, the things that in us produce hope. And we can rejoice in that because we see God is at work in our lives. And when we think about our kids and our family members, we think about our prayer list and we say, this person needs a job, this person needs healing, this person's in the hospital. And we think about all of those difficulties and we say, God, just heal them. Take all those problems away. Is that how we should be praying? We can certainly pray for healing and we can pray for God's provision. But more importantly, I need to be praying that God would be working in the lives of my family and my loved ones, that they would be recognizing his goodness in those circumstances and that their joy would be full as their faith is strengthened, as they develop a deeper and deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, as they recognize 
that God is there in their trials. That's what we need to be praying for. That it would have its full effect and that we would be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. That perfect completeness is talking about being like Jesus Christ. And that doesn't happen this side of heaven. But throughout our lives, we're progressing, hopefully as believers, moving closer and closer to being like Jesus Christ, being complete and lacking in nothing. That's called sanctification, and it's happening in your life. So that's why you can rejoice. God is accomplishing great things instead of just complaining and worrying about what's happening. And we end with a promise that our joy can't be taken away. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, talking to his disciples, he's getting ready to leave them. And he says, so also you have sorrow now. He recognizes their sorrow. You have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Joy comes with the sure hope that God will fulfill all that he says in his word. He will keep his promises, and Jesus will return. In my lifetime, in your lifetime, we don't know when he's coming. But every day that we wake up, we should say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, because it could be today. Even in our sorrows, we can rejoice because we have that great hope. Jesus said, no one can rob your joy. No one can take it away from you. No matter what circumstances are going on, no matter what pain and difficulty others might bring into your life, no one can take away your hope, your joy in Jesus Christ. Choose joy. We're being kept by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he was sending a helper, a comforter. And Peter said, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. That's the passage Robert read for us. But we rejoice because we recognize that those trials are just temporary. They're just for right now. There's something so much greater coming and God is working in us and working through us. I said that was the last one, but I didn't look at my notes ahead of time. Sorry. Joy comes by knowing Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus Christ? Not just the baby in the manger, but do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Have you confessed your sin to God and asked for forgiveness? Have you recognized that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he paid the price for my sins, for your sins. Have you placed your complete trust in Jesus' death and resurrection to save you? If not, today, the 13th of December, would be the perfect day to begin a new life in Jesus Christ, to find that joy that may have been eluding you all this time, and to have that joy forever, because its source is our loving Father. Come talk to me after the service today, or if you're downstairs or online, you can contact me through the church office. That's the most important decision of your life. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? So a couple of thoughts, a couple of questions to take away this morning. First one is rejoicing in the hope you have 
in Jesus Christ. A hope that extends beyond your circumstances. Are you choosing joy in the midst of what's going on? Are you choosing joy in 2020 and 2021? We keep talking as though on December 31st, everything is going to be back to normal and, and good again, but it's not likely. 2021 is going to be a carryover. We need to rejoice in who God is, in what he is doing, in spite of what's happening right around us. Each one of us is probably facing some kind of a trial. Everyone listening, if I said, raise your hand if you've never had a problem or you're problem-free today, it's probably not too many hands that would go up. Maybe it's still dealing with the effects of COVID. Maybe it's a job loss or reduced hours. Maybe it's upcoming surgery or a long illness for you or for a family member. Maybe it's thinking about paying the Christmas bills, which are also coming in January. Maybe it's a relationship issue, just something you can't resolve or someone else doesn't seem to want to meet you in the middle. You may be tempted to despair. You may think there's just no hope in this circumstance. It's never going to get any better. It's never going to change. But in Jesus Christ, we have a great treasure and a joy that does not fail under any pressure or any trial. Going against your feelings, going against your emotions, going against your friend's best advice, choose to praise God for your trial because of what God is doing in your life or in the lives of those you love, those around you. Even with death and, and restrictions, good things have still come out of COVID. Not only have we reached more people online, but we've seen new people come and start worshiping and fellowshipping with us in the midst of all of that's going on around us. We're experiencing probably more family time as we're in our homes more. Our church has decided that we need to do some things differently and that it's not just about the traditions. It's about focusing our glory on Jesus Christ and how can we best worship him together? How can we best grow and encourage one another? What are the things that need to change? It helps us see what we value most. We need to see that God is working for your good and for my good. The second takeaway is maybe this is a time to reformulate your goals in life. If you are honest with yourself, if you think back to before the last couple of months, what would you say your main life goal is? Just think about that for a moment. What's your main goal in life? Is it comfort? Ease? Maybe a little appreciation from others? Security? Early retirement? Have you considered personal holiness for the sake of God's glory as a goal in life? This moment provides us with an opportunity to reflect on what we really value most. The reason that God gives us for choosing joy in trials is not just the promise that things are going to get better right away. Instead, he promises us the ability to endure more trials 
to be steadfast, to persevere, to be stronger in our faith. And the New Testament in 1 Corinthians tells us, as we go through some of those trials and difficulties, we're more capable of caring for others who are facing the same types of things. We can counsel and love and show compassion and lead and guide others. Maybe what you're going through right now is so you can help someone in the coming months. God promises, ultimately, through our trials, that we will be sanctified and we will become more like Jesus Christ. His whole focus in life was glorifying his Father. And the things that were happening around him, the people that didn't like him, the people that questioned his motives and everything he was doing, that was not what he was worried about. He only wanted to please and glorify the Father. Does that thought bring you joy that you're becoming more like Jesus Christ? Are you willing to squeeze out every bit of sanctification that God promises in this trial? Maybe it's time to let steadfastness have its full effect as we endure trials instead of simply trying to escape them. Think about your goal or your goals in life. Is it pleasing and glorifying God? Finding joy in Christ means recognizing God's faithfulness and the gift of joy in Jesus Christ. Jesus is constant in all our trials, and he is truly our joy. Instead of growing weary in your circumstances and worry, choose joy in what God is doing in your life and in the lives of those around you that you love. Mark's going to come and we're going to close in, of course, Joy to the World. That's the song we haven't sung yet about our great joy. Please bow your heads in prayer with me. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who for the joy of glorifying you died on the cross for, your, for our sins. Thank you so much for this gift of Christmas that Jesus Christ could become our Lord and Savior. Help us, Lord, to focus on glorifying you instead of focusing on the difficulties that we're facing right now because we know you are faithful. We know you will go through whatever we're facing with us. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing in Jesus Christ, his Son. It's in his name I pray. Amen.